Habs Puck Drop Podcast. This is going to be our free agency roundup. We're going to see what changes happened uh, to the Montreal Canadiens organization. And maybe we'll throw in some ones around the league that kind of drew our, our attention a little bit. Definitely. And, you know, we'll just say this is, you know, four or five days into free agency. There was really no benefit in, you know, basically doing a podcast after the first day. Yeah, we were hesitant just because we, we didn't want something to happen and then have to re-record, so... You know, the big fish in, for example, Dougie Hamilton didn't even sign the first day. So now that uh, I think as of right now, it's uh, Sunday, August 1st at around 5 p.m. And there have been two signings all day. So we can, you know, it's really cooled down. I think all the moves that are going to be made for the most part have been. And there's a few names on the board I'm surprised are still available. But, you know, we'll get into that. So um, we have... On the whiteboard today, basically. Start from the bottom uh, up, I think. Yeah, I was going to say, we'll go from the bottom up. Uh, the, the order that they're written in is in terms of the total value of the contract. So we're going to go from the cheapest players all the way up to the most expensive. And in terms of categories, there's uh, players that have left the organization, players that are, are new to the organization, returning players, and players that are still get to sign a contract anywhere. So... Yeah, you just take it away right away. Yep, so our cheapest, well, our... Tied for cheapest. Tied for cheapest with four players is uh, Belpedio. So, um, you know, right defenseman. You know, he's going to be an AHLer. Yeah, um, this is, yeah, right-hand shot out of yeah, Minnesota. He's 25 years old, so, you know, that, that time's kind of passed. We signed him to a one-year contract, 750K. Um 2020-2021 stats, he had one game played, zero points. Yeah, so, spent, the, spent the whole season in the AHL. Really just a guy who, you know, top end, top end, he's a, a seventh defenseman. He'll be someone who we basically call up when there's an yeah. injury, and he might not even be the first to get the call. Um, you know, there, I think there's a couple guys that will... Honestly, it's just replacements in Laval. Yeah, and, he's a second, third line guy in Laval. Yeah. So, you know... Um, just someone who can play a bit of a smaller defenseman too. I believe he's under six feet. Yeah. So, yeah, just just a, a contract that can move up and down because it's it's below the one point two five million dollar um, salary, which basically in the NHL there's uh, differences between NHL and AHL salary. So under one point two five mil, there is no difference. So he can jump up and down basically yeah, no, throughout yeah. the uh, the two leagues without any penalty. Yeah. Um, yeah, looking next, we've got an interesting signing in Jean-Sébastien Dia. Um, he's a 27-year-old centerman. We got him out of Buffalo. Also a, a one-year deal at 750k. Again, played one game, no points last year. Um, typically, you know, I'd see, I'd say again, this is probably someone who's going to be in Laval in the top six. Could play very, very, you know, briefly in the NHL due to injury, but just. Interesting because he's a pure centerman, yeah. smaller guy. So we've got so many that uh, this is this could be a sign that you know guys like Ryan Paling might be coming up, and they need to replace that spot on the team. Uh, I, I don't. Mean, I'd like to see Paling play a bit more in the NHL. Yeah, I, I think, think it's time. Yeah, I think he had his stint in the AHL. Like he definitely needed that time to grow with mm-hmm. uh, you know that that twenty five games or so he played in the NHL and just nothing was clicking. I think it was a phenomenal move to move him down. I know, like, it goes against, like, the grain with the Montreal Canadiens. Like, when we when we have faith in a guy, we tend to just run him into the ground in the NHL. It's like, uh, it's a sink or swim sort of situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm glad with him, like, we actually, we were in a position with Kotkaniemi and Suzuki to be like, you know what, just go down, 
play your hockey in the AHL and it will move you up. And I think this year is probably his year. Yeah, and you know what, guys like Paling, I always say the, the AHL is where you develop your athletes, not where you develop your talent. Um, Ryan Paling is somewhere between a power forward and a two-way forward. He's going to play more of a, a physical game. Yeah, I think the he'll a- be moved, though. I, I just you have think a he'll few, be yeah. moved? I think, you know, like I, it's kind of hard to gauge this guy's ceiling just because, you know, he's clearly not the star we made him out to be in, in his first NHL game where he had, like, four goals or something like that. Yeah. But he's definitely, you know, not a fourth-line guy in my, in my mind. I kind of have him hovering, you know, probably a 3C kind of move in the 3C, 4C, but I could also see him move up to 2, like, pretty easily. Um, I just think that he has kind of a big question mark around his name, and I, I, I can just see that being pretty, um, you know, pretty good-looking for a, for a package deal that we might see in the offseason. I, I agree. I think, and just, just going back to the sign for a second with Dia, um, it's a, you know, it's a French Quebec player. Um, the only thing is, you know, coming out of Buffalo, he's had a lot to say about uh, the Buffalo Sabres organization yeah. and Jack Eichel, which to me, I, I never really like when a player leaves a, uh, an organization. Especially when we want that player. Yeah, aside from, honestly, the even like wanting Jack Eichel. I just, I don't like the character of, uh, you know, bringing on a guy who has just like nothing good to say. Yeah, especially just, like on the way out, I'm going to go and... That's uh, it, just throw everyone under the, the bus. You know, it's it's you're 27, you've never made really the any mark on the NHL, and you're, you're criticizing guys like Jack Eichel. You're, yeah, you played, what, 20 games uh, with him? You're criticizing the leadership of a 21-year-old as you're leading leaving the organization to which you've never played with the well, guy. That, that's what it's I like, mean. It's, it's a little weird, and I mean, look, we won't make it all about this, but, you know, it's... There's been some questionable character moves in the organization lately, yeah. and I don't know. It, it rubbed me the wrong way that that was the first impression I got of him. So, you know, he'll probably just, you know, spend his year in Laval, and he'll be back on the free agent market next year like he does every time. But he does bring, you know, at least some NHL experience to the AHL. He can kind of play a bit of a skill game. And so not a bad signing. And again, another French Quebec signing. Yeah. So we're never going to miss an opportunity for that. No, never. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's going to the third. We see Say the loss so. of uh, we see the loss of Charlie Lindgren. So, twenty-seven-year-old goaltender, uh, just not clicking here. Um, you know, he he got signed to a one-year seven hundred and fifty k. He didn't play last year um, at all. Yeah, just in the AHL. Yeah, just in the AHL. So, like, no games in the NHL. Um, obviously, with that tandem we had, and then you know, u- utilizing Primo for those few games that we did. Um, you know, I. Lindgren, you know, is one of those guys where, you know, we, we've had our fair share of trying to find, like, a protege for Price, and um, not that anyone thought this guy was it, but it's just, it's incredible to me over the last few years how we've seen guys that were supposed to be, you know, at least promising, just completely sink through for us. Like, I'm thinking, like, Fukali, McNiven, Lindgren, like, it's just crazy how hard it is to hit it on the head with goalies. Yeah, I also think that, you know, this is the first year that we've uh, we fired our goalie coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you and I are talking about, oh, it's Carey Price, Carey Price. We forget that he works with all the goalies. Yeah. That that That's another sign is that could be the reason as to why, you know, um, he was let go as well because they said, you know, when Carey Price goes down, other than a guy we acquired in Jack, uh, Jake Allen, we have no developed no. goalies. And you can kind of lean on the goalie coach there being like, what are you doing? The issue, too, is is that they don't see... Like, the goalies that we do get, even when they're young, they don't seem to get better. Like, they, they like from Primo's perspective, I mean, it's obviously... It's a little short to, to, mm. to look at his, his progress. But, you know, from when he entered the NHL to now, 
you know, I'd expect to see a lot more progress than I think we, we saw. And especially like in terms of the nerves, like, you know, your, your first few games in the NHL for any player, but specifically goaltending at a young age, like it can be very, very nerve wracking, obviously. And I, you know, we both never played, but you know, when you're getting into like your second year and like, you know, this is like your, you know, you, you've been given, you've been given some responsibility a few games now. I, like, I don't expect it to be, I don't, I don't think it's a good sign when like Primo's like dry heaving in the tunnel. I was going to say, when he's like, playing the any given Sunday moment of like vomiting before Yeah, and like minutes. Anderson has to go out and like yeah. talk to him. It's just like, I, that's like a development thing that I think is missing. It's like, there's no, these guys have no confidence. Yeah. And it's, it's a huge issue for goaltending. <laughs> Yeah, and also I think what happens too, and this this is partially the the Canadians, like Montreal Canadiens market too, is everyone gets basically boosted up to the status of all-star when they get drafted. So Caden Primo, seventh-round pick, goes, and the year before he plays for us, he wins the um, basically the goalie of the year in the NCAA, and he's a good world juniors mm-hmm. and everything. And then the media portrays him as, like, the next coming of Patrick Waugh. Yeah. And it's like, this guy comes in with the ex. I mean, look at what we did with Romanov this year. Yeah. He was coming in, and it was yeah. like, oh, it's good. Or even Paling, or Kotkaniemi, or every time it comes in, you know, I mean, Suzuki, even to a certain degree when he came in, yeah. Suzuki was Bergeron. And then Bergeron, the comparison, they go, and, you know, Patrice Bergeron plays a lot like Jean Beliveau. It's yeah. like, well, all of a sudden, Nick Suzuki's Jean Beliveau. Yeah. It's like, that's the standard. Kotkaniemi's being compared before he got drafted to Kopitar. This is like he was, and he was the youngest in his draft, so he just yeah. turned eighteen. Everyone's and it's saying like Barkov, Barkov, and, and Kopitar, yeah. and, and all these guys. I'm, I'm thinking more like you know, uh, Caulfield got like Debrinkit, and then even before that, like they, they were saying size comparisons Kane. to like Patrick Kane. Like, yeah, come on, unit. the best, best American player, player of all time. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like. And a lot of these guys will end up having phenomenal careers. I'm, I'm thinking Romanov, they go, oh, good, a study Russian, Markov. It's like, mm. they don't play the same game. Not at all. And, and just, you know, even on a more recent one, it's Sergachev. It's like, just let the guy be Romanov, you know? And it, so I just, I feel for him on that level, but I know exactly what you mean. And, and looking at Lindgren, you know, Lindgren, I remember a few years ago, had played one game for the Habs, and he, he had a great game. He was like a 960 or something. And then that was the bar that people set for him. Yeah. So he came in and played five more games and said, okay, he's going to be 960 the whole time. It's like, that, everyone knows for some reason that that's not how it is, yeah. and yet they treat it that way. Yeah, I, I, specifically with Primo, like, I know we're getting off topic with Lindgren, but it's important, I think, that we, we hash it out. Like, with Primo's game that he played this season where, like, you know, he was, he was in the tunnel, like, just not doing well, not, not with the team in the locker room, like... When you watch him play, you know, in the AHL or, or in the World Juniors or whatever it is, like, you know, he, just like every goalie draft in the NHL, he's clearly got some skill. Like, I mean, everyone draft in the NHL has some skill, right? But when he was playing for us, like, on, when he, when he was playing in the NHL, when we pulled him up, it's look, it looked like he just, his confidence brought him to a level where he could barely even slide across the ice. I mean, like, he was getting out of his crease, he was... It was terrible. So, like, a lot of that, I think, has to come down to coaching and goaltending coaching in particular to instill guys with the confidence on how to how to compose themselves in the, in the crease. Well, that that's what I was going to say is that I, from what I remember when we did let our, our goalie coach go, there was that whole thing where he basically was even getting in Carey Price's head to a certain degree mm-hmm. from what I remember saying things just along the lines of, you know, not not so much as you get to share the tandem with Alan, but essentially like your reign here is done. Yeah. Right. It's like it's like so it is, yeah. He's trying to like, like he's a trying tough to make love them... approach, but it's not. Yeah. 
it's you have to give love at the end of the tough love. Yeah, like it, it's a coaching strategy where it's like, it's it's very John Tortorella like where it's like, um, you know, show me what you got. I'm not gonna tell you to, what to do. Mm-hmm. Show me how talented you are. But the problem is, is that when you're not a Carey Price and you don't have that ultra-high ceiling of talent, you don't have anything to show him, and then you you don't get anything reciprocated. So he's like, show me, show me, show me. And and, and Primo's like, this is this is it, man. I don't have oh, to tell yeah. you that I need some pointers, and he's not getting them. And, and then you you get Charlie Lindgren, where you know he realistically could have had a better career than he's had so far, just yeah, in terms of his talent. But And I think he'll be a little more sheltered in St. Louis. He's mm-hmm. not even going to be the fourth guy. Yeah. Um, which is where, by the way, we should be saying when they do leave, where they're going. So Charlie Lindgren signed with St. Louis. I think I did say that. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, maybe. I But uh, I just I forgot to write it down. Um, yeah, so just the overall. Yeah. Uh, Charlie Lindgren, yeah, yeah, he's an American. Yeah, this might be cool for him to go back to the States. Yeah, I'm going to see where he's from, actually. I, I would I would put money on him being from uh, the Missouri area. Yeah. Um, but basically, just, uh, yeah, we wish him the best. It was, you know, it was never... When, when there's Carey Price in your system, you're never going to be the starter. Yeah. That's just what it comes down to. So, um, he's from Minnesota. Minnesota. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, moving on, we, uh, you know, bringing back a, uh, a familiar name to many hockey fans, Chris Weidman signs a one-year 750K deal with the Habs. Um, he's a right-hand defenseman, a bit undersized at 5'10". I think he's like 180 pounds. Did not play last year in the NHL. He had a good offensive year in the uh, KHL. So um, this guy, they're they're bringing him strictly for the power play. He's not going to play in the top four. Our top four is essentially set. And uh, I think he's. I, I think his role here is going to be essentially analogous to what we brought Eric Gustafson in for, uh, which I didn't agree. work. Um, it, it had with Gustafson. It had you know, a little points in, in, in his time here where it looked like it was going to work but just kind of just flip-floppy that's so kind like, of Eric Gustafson's career in a yeah, nutshell so though. just very flip-floppy and I, I hope I, I think they're hoping Chris Weidman kind of brings a little bit more consistency yeah and he's a cheap contract on yeah. a team that you know at, at this point we know we're very close plus to the can, cap yeah and plus you have that kind of redemption arc for him you're like show mm-hmm. us what you can do because he does have talent absolutely yeah. and you know I mean he again he went to the KHL because he couldn't get a contract he's 31 now and so this will be a very much yeah show me year um i don't think you know he doesn't have a problem playing in canada given he was in ottawa before this a couple years ago mm-hmm. and uh yeah i actually do look forward to see what he can bring because you know even the the russian game's very different from ours it's a lot also more offensively driven so he might show up and you know he might really help that second power play unit um can't, honestly on a, on a league minimum deal i just can't come yeah i just ever this is like, um, you know, even if he's the, the, the worst signing we've ever done for 750k, I, like, there's no, it's no harm, no foul. Waivers. Yeah, and he'll he'll clear, he'll clear or someone will take him. Yeah. And there's so, there's no uh, there's no cap. I like when we do this, honestly. Yeah, that's that that's the kind of like you know bottom six def, uh, forwards and bottom two defensemen moves that you know he'll come in and out of the lineup too between Kulak and Romanov on the bottom pair and. Yeah, it's it's a good signing. I I don't think anyone's complaining per se. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. One defenseman comes in. Yeah, the other one goes out. So John Merrill. Um, Probably the opposite end of the spectrum in terms of play style too. Yeah, opposite end of the spectrum. So very defensively minded player. Um, before we get into the stats and where he's going, how did you find he played this year? 
So I, I was up and down with him because, I, you know, I, I've said it many times on the podcast of if uh, your bottom pair defenseman, if you don't notice him, he's doing a good job. And there was a stretch in the playoffs where I thought he wasn't playing. Yeah. And you corrected me. Mm-hmm. He said he's been playing the whole time. So um, to that degree, I say, like, good job. But there were times that I noticed him. Yeah, me too. That's, that's the best way I could put it. Is like I never want to see him on the ice, yeah. even when he's on the ice. Mm-hmm. So um, I just never know what he's doing. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I, 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 don't see him after the play so much. I don't see him. Yeah. You know, I, I just don't know what he's like, like particularly doing. No, it's he, he's just really a body on the ice. There's no, and I hate to like make it sound like he's a pylon because the guy's obviously no, yeah, he a, plays. Yeah, a, he's a six foot three, two hundred and ten plus pound defenseman, he, but he plays a positional game. Exactly. That's why, like, he's not gonna have any of these crazy takeaways or anything. He he really cuts angles and, and yeah, you know he's that, one that's of the making of a good defensive defenseman yeah, in the league. It, it's, it reminds me a lot of a Vlasic, where it's like he's not gonna make any, you know sparkly defensive maneuvers but he's gonna like really keep guys to the outside he's a, he's a meat and potatoes defense yeah exactly another way but, least, again it was good to have him we acquired him for i believe like a fifth yeah never a problem but you know what again i i think the, you know between the depth chart and the direction the team's going i think it was just he was really a pure rental hmm. did his job for us and then uh didn't offer him a new contract or we offered him league minimum and he signed for you know, 100k more signs in Minnesota at uh, 150k for one year. Um, 49 games played. Obviously, not all of them with Montreal. I think he only played you know a half a dozen yeah. games in the regular season with us or whatever the dread, trade deadline was. Yeah. And no goals, five assists. So again, no offense coming from this guy. Really, just shut down defensemen. But you know. But not we have, a, yeah, we yeah. have other options basically, and better options. I think our our third pair right now we're kind of reserving for specialty guys, like yeah. guys who can play on the power our, play. Yeah, because realistically, you're not getting minutes down there, and like, and if you're not going to get minutes on the third pair, uh, just because we're running this 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 four this uh, two line D thing that worked so well in the playoffs, um, you know, I think that's a cool kind of strategy is keep that third pair for for these guys that can help on your power play. I agree. Um, so yeah, let's move on. So. Uh, Pro Leak. So Pro Leak last year was, you know, I we brought him in sort of with Perry in tandem. You know, which was, was funny because when we signed him, I said, "Why are we signing Michael Pro Leak?" I know because you look at our depth chart, and it was kind of a situation like we have now, where it was like, "Where is he going to play?" And yeah, like, we, you and I both said he'll never touch the yeah, ice. Yeah, because we didn't even know where Perry was going to play, yeah. but then we were like, "You know what? It's going to be kind of cool to see Perry in and out of the lineup because he'll come in with, you know, like, he'll be fresh all the time mm-hmm. at an older age, and he'll, you know, really produce. Then he'll jump back out, rest up a bit, but." You know that left us saying like where is where is Frolik gonna play because yeah. like if, you know if Perry's the guy doing that we already have a full depth chart. Yeah. But the answer was Laval. Yeah, the answer <laughs> was Laval, and um, you know eight games played, no goals, um, no, no goals, no assists. So you know he's kind of up in the air right now. Um, yeah. So he he obviously he's, he's still UFA. He doesn't have a contract yeah. at the moment, but you know we. You know, we have our different sources and everything, and basically his projected contract is going to be about one year at uh, a little under 900K. Yeah, I don't uh, think we're signing him. He won't be coming back no. to the Canadians. I think that, uh, yeah, if, if he does, it's going to be on league minimum to play in Laval, but I think he wants to either play in the NHL or retire. Yeah. He's in his mid-30s. Um, but, yeah, so 880K is his projected cap, so, you know... Um, Typically, with the projected caps that we use, there's an error of about 500,000, so it can be as low as 8 point, uh, 830K, 
and as high as uh, 930k. So, um, you know, he, he's going to be an under a million dollar player wherever he goes. I don't think it's going to be in Montreal. We uh, we salute him and thank him for his service. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, really, really a weird signing. And I don't think there was any doubt that he wasn't coming back. Yeah. So, yeah, next. Yeah, so next is probably the first NHL signing that the Canadians made that uh, I think, you know, we saw this coming for quite a while. Uh, centerman Cedric Paquette. Another French-Canadian player, one year, 950K. Uh, 47 games played last year, four goals, four assists. This is a bottom pair, uh, bottom pair, bottom six guy. He plays a bit of a gritty game. Hopefully bottom um, three. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, just, just very much a fourth-line centerman, essentially. And uh, plays, like you said, gritty, can do a little bit of penalty killing, takes some face-offs decently well. Uh, bigger body. I, I think it's play. Honestly. It's, it's he's hard nosed, and there's yeah. nothing wrong with it. It was more just uh, I think this was one of those signings that you know they announced was gonna happen mm -hmm. five days before it did. Yeah. So um, no yeah. real surprise there. Yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing him play. I think he'll. Yeah. You know uh, he'll add a little bit of, of grit to our to our you know the position Stahl was playing at, yeah. and uh, you know it's gonna be cool to see. So. And also just. You know, and another thing, too, with it is just, uh, I think this is like the third offseason in a row that we're seeing his name come up. Yeah, so, um, yeah, exactly. It's going to be a trend with a few of our signings for here. Sure. But, uh, yeah, so, I, I again, I unless I have, like, a real problem with the signing, I don't really have much to say about the guys under $1 million. Yeah, same here. It's like, uh, you know, they're... You can either put them on waivers or they're they're easy to sell to trade. Yeah, they're, they're it's very exactly. It's, yeah, they, so they don't hurt your team in any way. Yeah, incoming from uh, Winnipeg, which I'm ha I'm sure he's happy to come back home. One because he's born in Montreal, but two after the brutal series we put him through. Yeah. Um, that's your Perrault, uh, left wing, right wing. You know, 33 year old guy. We signed him to a one year contract, 950k. So again, under a mil. This really can't go wrong. In 2020, 2021, he really had good stats. You know, he had 50, you know, he's a depth guy. He had 56 games played. He had 19 points with nine goals. So I love this signing. Yeah, this is uh, this is a good signing. Obviously, you know, not, not to do a massive spoiler or anything, but I think everyone who's a Habs fan knows by now, this he essentially replaces Corey Perry mm -hmm. in terms of his leadership experience and his, his production, honestly. I think they're within two points of each other, something like that. Um, not exactly the same style of play, but Perro is a little more athletic than Perry. He's got a little bit more speed behind him, yeah. uh, a little bit smaller, but um, can kill penalties pretty effectively. Good five on five, like you said, bottom six guy, and uh, you know it's again a little bit cheaper. Uh, maybe you know some would argue that you know it wasn't. You know, I'd rather have Corey Perry, but you know, he's he's not in any way. Again, it's not someone who's hurting your team by yeah. being there at that cap hit. I know and his last season. very good season, and I and I think his last cap hit was a little bit high. I'm gonna yeah. check it while. Uh, yeah, I think it, I think it was. Go check that. But yeah, um, you know, with with Perot on the on the other hand, from Perry, you know, Perry kind of brought this extra aspect that I think Habs fans loved. Of you know, he would every once in a while show this tremendous skill from like. 20 circa 2020 2010 Corey Perry where like all of a sudden he'd whip out his hands that he had like get slash and you'd be like holy crap where'd that come from you know we're obviously not going to get that with Perot mm -hmm. um but again like you said he's a much more athletic guy he's much more of a you know all-around athlete and he, he's going to be quicker and he he's definitely harder nosed um you know Perry I think we saw I think people got a real reality check this year with 
how he plays. Like he, he's not a physical guy. He just yeah. gets under people's skin. And, um, you know, while that was effective, I think in the, you know, in, in our depth, uh, on our team, I think it'll, it'll be nice to have a guy who's not overly physical, but definitely harder on the puck. Definitely. And yeah, his, uh, his previous cap hit coming out of Winnipeg was 4.125. Yeah, so that's too much, but at <laughs> 950k, that's, um, that's a solid pickup. So yeah, um, going on to the next unrestricted free agent who still has yet to sign a contract, we've got Eric Stahl. Um, Eric Stahl is predicted to get $1.3 million, like we said, plus or minus 500 k Could go as high as one point eight for a year, could drop below and go down to eight hundred k for a year, depending on where he goes and who offers. If he plays another year, he could very well retire. He's 36, uh, just came off of a very, very physical and brutal season. Yeah. Um, the regular season of which he looked like he just did not want to be there. Yeah, that that was the brutal part. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if he if he would mentally not, like he, he's fine physically. Like he's a healthy guy. But yeah. I don't know if he psychologically wants to go through an eighty-two game regular season and then and, go to and the playoffs. Does he want to play anywhere where again another year leaving his family and everything? Yeah. Because he left them in Minnesota to go play in Buffalo to get traded in Montreal yeah. to spend you know the entire playoffs and have a deep run. You know, go spend 80 days with your family yeah. and then hop back for another 82-game season somewhere else. I, I don't know. Unless it's maybe like Carolina offers him something, yeah. I don't see him coming back to the NHL. You know, 53 games played, five goals, eight assists. Um, you know, obviously he had a fantastic playoffs, but, you know, he, he might just want to be done yeah. at this point. And, uh, you know, hasn't signed a contract yet. He'll be a you know, all these guys who are... You know, above probably 33, 30 to 33, weeks, they, they go much, yeah, they, they get contracts much later. But, uh, yeah, again, Eric Saul was cool to see him in a Habs jersey. Uh, he did what he did here, which was great. But, uh, yeah, he's not coming back to Montreal. No, I agree. Uh, moving on to the one that, you know, arguably hurt the most, um, you know, Corey Perry going to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Do you think the Corey Perry one hurt the most? Yeah, I, I would have said Charlie Lindgren. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, Corey, especially going to Tampa with how, you know, hard of a series we had against them. Um, you know, I, I just, I was happy to see that he kind of went out, um, due to poor Habs management and not because he actually spited the team and mm -hmm. wanted to go win. You know, I, you know, it's basically confirmed that we had offered him a one-year contract, whereas other teams had offered him two. And it's then, the Markov situation all over again. Yeah, it's the Markov situation all over again, and it's it's frustrating because this guy definitely has two more years of hockey in him. Um, you know, he was very robust throughout the entire season and throughout the entire playoffs and really, really, you know, present and not just, you know, kind of Eric stalling it during the regular season where you didn't really notice him. He was noticeable every game. And it, it frustrates me just because, one, we have a history of this, and two, it, it is like, it does trickle down to other other guys. Like it, when you see mistreatment like this, um, you know, it definitely does affect the team in other ways besides losing a great player. Well, that's it. And and for me, I don't know why term is always such a brutal part of the negotiations at that cap hit. So Corey Perry signs a two-year deal, $1 million per year. He had 49 games played, 9 goals, 12 assists. That, just to contrast to what we said before with Perot, nine goals, ten assists for Perot in a couple more games. So, again, they're they're essentially offsetting each other on the stat sheet. Mm. But, yeah, going back to Corey Perry for a second, you know, it's different if you're negotiating with a, you know, uh, Yasperi Kotkaniemi, who, if he gets a five-year deal, 
it takes him to free uh, UFA status versus a four-year deal where it takes him to RFA. But mm-hmm. with Corey Perry, every year he's still going to be a UFA. Um, a million dollars on the cap is not a heavy mm-hmm. cap hit. And and at the very worst, if you have to scratch him, like you've got Corey Perry in the room. And, at the, and at the very worst, this guy is like the ultimate trade deadline guy. Like yeah. This guy will go to any team that's a cup contender and they'd love to have him. Like, oh, I don't absolutely. understand this. Like, absolutely. I, it really frustrates me because, like, you know, he really left his mark on, on, on this season and it was nice to see because coming in, you know, we had our high hopes for him and he really, like, even exceeded them. Absolutely. And and the, the good thing, too, and, like, this is where you said it was the one that stings the most, but I'd say it's also bittersweet is, you know, last year he's in Dallas, loses to Tampa in the finals. This year, he's in Montreal, loses to Tampa in the finals. Um, they're not going to make the finals. They're not, they're not going to, but, you know, I, I don't think for, like, his his I'd love to his, be like, Tampa psychosis. I'd love to be Tampa in yeah. the finals. Well, that, that, that would just... I, if he goes to the finals with Tampa and they lose, he's going to have a mental break. Like, <laughs> like, no, how, like how like no one else could. Yeah. I was saying to you on, uh, before the other day when he signed there, um, the last time I could think of that happening was Marion Hosa, yeah. who went from losing against you know uh, Detroit in Pittsburgh, switches to Detroit the next year and loses yeah. to Pittsburgh back to back years, just unbelievable and just just horrible to see. But um, I I he's one of those guys where like it's I'm happy he's already won a Stanley Cup because yeah. then I I would just feel yeah, the pressure's off. The pressure's off, but you know what. I, I'm more angry, like you said, with management because this is clearly, he made it clear he wanted to stay. Yeah. And he just, I, again, two years versus one year, one million. I just do it based off the fact that it's Corey Perry. Yeah. I don't you know? understand these term deals. Like, it, it just it never, me. yeah, it never makes it's sense. It's not like he wanted two mil. Exactly. You know, if he was saying, I want uh, $5 million and I don't care how many years you spread it over, then it's different. Yeah. Because all of a sudden, if you give him 2.5 times 2, yeah. but he's saying, like, I don't care about the money, I just want to play hockey. Yeah. And, you know, management essentially said, like, that's, you know, it's one or done. And so he yeah. left. And, you know, obviously the taxes are different too. So yeah, he's making sure. more money to play more hockey. Exactly. So, hap- you know, definitely, like you said, one of the harder, if not the hardest one to watch him go. And, uh was incredible to watch him play this year. Yeah, and that chemistry on that line is just... Yeah, you know. it's going to be hard to replicate. Yeah. So I'll let you take this one. Yep, so Arturi Lekkanen, so undoubtedly my favorite player on the Montreal Canadiens, um, you know, gets re-signed one year, 2.3 mil, so a pay cut. Yeah, it took, a, is, it took uh, a bit of a pay cut. A little bit of a pay cut, nothing huge. 100k. Yeah, so he had 47 games played, 7 goals, 6 assists, and just an outstanding playoff run, like... That's the Arturi Lekin, I think, that we can set his ceiling to. Like, that is just every game, all cylinders going, and, like, just, you know, how... Did you ever notice a shift where he's not, like... No, he's You always notice the guy. He's such a workhorse, and, like... Underrated goal-scoring season, two for a yeah. bottom six guy. It's 12 goals. Yeah. So... That's why I always say, like, you know, Arturi Lekin, like, I, I think when if we place him somewhere like we did in the playoffs where... In the first time in his career with us, we put him on a line and kept him there. Yeah. With with Dano and Gallagher, and he was scoring and he was he he was making plays and he looked comfortable and even throughout the entire regular season last uh, last regular season, um, you know he's flip flopping all over the place. Like I understand he's a guy that can play multiple positions and that's why he's 
He's valuable in the bottom six, but I'm telling you, like, if you keep this guy in a position, he'll get us 15 goals. I, I guarantee it. I agree. You know, and uh, so it was good we signed him, and, um, you know, he's um, 26 now, so, you know, we still got him in his good years, and um, I would have liked another year, but I, I understand this is kind of like a prove-it year, and with the uncertainty in our depth chart going forward, I, I, I totally get it. That's it, and, he, you know, he was originally issued a, issued a qualifying offer just to keep him at RFA status, and... He was probably going to go to um, uh, arbitration, where an arbitrator would probably have given him less money. So I think what the Canadian did was basically say, how about a little bit of a pay cut, but just one year, and prove it, basically. Yeah. So, you know, it's... it's I mean, the parties both, you know, Canadians organization and Arturi Lekkonen's camp both came to an agreement. It made perfect sense. His qualifying offer was $2.2 million. His original salary was two point four. They yeah. they just met in the middle. And they, they you know I think Lekkonen's party and the Montreal Canadiens they just love each other. Yeah, okay. they they it's don't just, want this to be a bad divorce. Yeah. They just wanted to make a deal. Yeah, so good to see him stay. So. Yeah, and he's gonna be important because with Huge. with you know we'll get to it later, but he's gonna be a bigger piece on the penalty kill. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the next player who, as it is right now, has not signed a contract is Yusperi Kodkaniemi. Um, we have him predicted at two years, two point two million. So that could be as high as two point seven, low as one point seven million for those two years. Uh, Fifty six games played, five goals, fifteen assists. Uh, obviously, a strong playoff performance when he and then he was out of the lineup. But um, yeah, this was everyone knew he was getting a bridge deal because of his streakiness and streakiness. That to be fair, like kept going in the playoffs. I mean, like, he when we put him in after his initial scratch coming into the playoffs against Toronto, you know, he came out of the gates flying and, and got a few goals, but then he really went dormant for basically yeah. the rest of the series and the, the rest of the playoffs, I mean. And, um, well, it's, I, and you can't just keep jump-starting this guy every time you need yeah. a performance and take him out for 20 games well, and yeah, send him to the like, Especially if, like, our hopes is that he's the second-line center. I mean, like, we need a consistent player there. We can't be, like... Yeah, let's go rev up Jesperi again, pull yeah. him out for five games. And, and and with the team that we're building, I think he's going to be playing with more and more skill yeah. as of this year. So this is going to be a very... This is why I also think a bridge deal is going to be the... Um, not He won't sign a qualifying offer. He'll sign a bridge deal for more than one year and probably less than four. Mm -hmm. Because he's going to get to play with basically some bona fide NHLers with more offensive upside than yeah. he has in the past. And, you know, earlier in the year when he's playing with Toffoli and Armia, they put up a lot of points. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think with him, a cheap deal, two years is ideal. It can let him kind of uh, almost become a steal for the team, and then it'll give him better negotiating rates after. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, just in terms of his, of his play this year, he had 56 games played, 5 goals, 15 assists. So, again, like, we're, we're seeing this, you know, sophomore drought kind of carry on for him. You know, I think a lot of people last oh. year, you know, were saying, like, oh, it's, you know, this sophomore effect yeah. that um, happens to some players, I guess. But, um, you know, it, it's disheartening. What is that pro rate? I, it probably brings him up to, like, a 33-point season, yeah, roughly. But, um, you know, I, I, I get a little worried with Kotkaniemi sometimes because, one, again, management put our ceiling on 29. him way to 29, so below even what he what he got last season. Yeah. So he's in a steady decline, actually, from his rookie season, um, which is, you know, a little worrisome. 
considering every year he's played with better players. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I do worry about him a little bit, especially since, like, I got a bit of a reality check on Instagram today where, like, you know, they're talking about players on the Habs and they're, like, you know, over-under points. And, mm-hmm. like, the projected for Kotkaniemi was, like, they were saying over-under 30 points. I was like, don't you dare. Oh, boy. <laughs> don't you dare tell me. Yeah, uh, I mean, it, it's... For Kotkaniemi, it was, uh, for Suzuki, it was over-under 55. Yeah, and over. Yeah. Um, that's, I, I just reacted yeah. to that. He's getting more than... You know, Caulfield, points. it was over-under 20 goals. Yeah. So, like, all these are, like, oh, nice. I'll, that's I'll a... say Kotkaniemi, he goes 34 points in 79 games. Then eight points in thirty six games, which comes out to an eighteen point season, yeah. and now up to this, which we said was twenty nine. So there's a slight increase, but still has not breached his rookie season, which is like you said, yeah. never a good sign. Um, I know what you mean. That's why you know. Let's let's see now that he's going to be given more responsibility and more ice time. What he can do. Yeah, I and think then, this year is basically his his trial. I mean, yeah, yeah this know. is good. Well, this is going to be his first full year of responsibility. He'll probably be out of the top six, uh, the bottom six, yeah. the whole year, yeah. realistically, um, unless you know a massive blockbuster Jack Eichel deal comes through where he might end up off the team even. Yeah. But uh, looking at the team now, he's our second line centerman. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Uh, yeah, another, looking at another guy who doesn't have a contract at the moment, Eric Gustafson. Um, 29 games played, one goal, 11 assists. Um, if they, if we sign this guy, I'll eat the sidewalk. <laughs> yeah. I swear. Uh, his contract projections are actually quite high. I think it's because the market for two-way defensemen is just barren right now. Three years at $4 million a pop. <laughs> uh, that could obviously be, again, be as low as 3.5 and as high as 4.5, given the error, but... Um, you not, know, this, not a bad stat season. Actually, no, right? not terrible. I mean, twelve points in twenty nine games played. Um, it's his defensive downside. It's, that's it. That, it's that just really he's just... so brutal defensively. Yeah, it's like having a third winger out there, essentially, like a third defensive winger, basically. And it's like it's uh, it's rough to watch at times, especially since like this guy clearly didn't grow up wanting to be a defenseman. No, you know, and uh, he just was how to inform. And it, you know, it it it, <laughs> it becomes. A huge liability when you play a team like the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, he was an issue. There's no other way to put it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he and Merrill on that bottom pair at one point was just like you couldn't play them. Yeah, and to be fair to Merrill, I mean, the guy was playing defense for two people. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so, you know, Gustafson, that's another one. We acquired him for a seventh. We played him when we need to play him. And I don't think anyone, I thought for maybe a week we would resign him. Yeah. Uh, and that was it. So, now we've kind of breached the threshold, and we're into kind of the, the fun signings. So uh, I'll take this one. Um, Montreal signs Mike Hoffman to a three-year deal worth $4.5 million annually. He had 17 goals and 19 assists in 52 games played. I'm going to prorate that for one second. Just yeah, to... I think that's, you know, even on a non... Um... I think just roughly going off what I remember from our, our team stats last year, I think he would be third in points on our team, roughly. There you go. So it's it's a 27-goal season on an A2 game. Yeah. Um, That's nice. <laughs> yeah, and in terms of his points, it would be... Just a moment. Um, it would be... Hey, I, can, I'm not sure I lost it. Hey, can you just uh, just yeah. talk about Mike Hoffman? <laughs> well, yeah, I think the the upside for this guy comes on his on a, what he's going to do to our power play. I mean, Jesse and I've been talking about what this will do to our power play for a little while now, but you know, I think with him and Caulfield there, and Caulfield kind of settled 
um, you know, into his position a little bit more. I don't think fully. I think we're going to see a lot more of a lull with Caulfield early on in the season. I think people think, like, you know, he he's still very new in the NHL, but I think Hoffman and Caulfield, you know, down the line, like, you know, by mid-season. The Hoffman, the cough. Yeah. Uh, I think <laughs> that's going to be point a season, uh, by the way. 57-point season. So, yeah, he, he would have been up there still. Yeah. So. I, I think that the, that combo on the on the power play is going to really, really get us out of this this issue we've had for years scoring on the power play, and um, you know, let's see how Burroughs handles it. Yeah, and so yeah, just just talking a little bit more about Hoffman here. I mean, this is again, this is someone we've heard, you know, every time free agency comes around, every time the trade deadline comes around, it's he's always rumored to come into Montreal. Um, like you said, this guy just brings goals with him yeah. everywhere he goes. So. Um, playing on a on a you know what I believe like you said he called it a down year for himself and playing on a team in St Louis that you know wasn't utilizing him properly. and doesn't typically put up a lot of goals to begin with yeah. uh, he still managed to score a ton of goals yeah if if you guys go look at some of his play during the regular season um, with uh, particularly during the regular season with um, St Louis you'll see how poorly managed this guy was like you know in and out of a bunch of different lines but still producing. And, and, and kind of in like that you know, Arturi Lekkanen lull where it's like, I don't know why I'm being moved, but I'm just the guy, I guess. I'm the yeah. new guy, so I'm just going to get moved around again, even though we had success on this line. And even on the power play, like, they didn't utilize his shot like they should have. And I understand, like, St. Louis has weapons that they can use, but, you know, if you're going to bring a guy like this in, like, use him. I agree, and that's what I think we're going to see from the Habs. So, um just moving on to our another re-signing, we bring back uh, Yoel Armia, who we also protected in Seattle. So once he uh, he was a UFA, when we protected him, I knew we had a contract yeah. for him, which I was happy to see. Um, four years, three point four million. So it's the Great Paul contract. Byron contract. Great contract. Um, this guy is essentially going to be the bottom six captain of our team. Yeah. You know, he's going to just own the bottom six. He's twenty eight years old. We you know forty one games played, seven goals, seven assists. Everyone knows how he plays. He's he's sneaky good in terms of his actual puck skills. He's big. He's strong. He can shoot. He can kill penalties. It just you know there's a reason why we brought we like finessed Winnipeg to bring him on. Yeah, he's I just a actually, phenomenal talent. I can see Lekkinen actually breaking through the the the, uh, the fourth line, almost purely because I can see Armia and Perot really getting getting some. Good I'm pretty sure they played going. together yeah. in Winnipeg. Oh, well, they did. They did. That's part of my reason why, but I know Armia kind of snuck into into the third line sometimes in, mm-hmm. in Winnipeg, so probably like half the time they did play together. But their play styles alone, and just like their demeanor, like I can just see them really getting along. Like yeah. Perot is a much more vocal, like outgoing guy, and Armia is like very, very introverted. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's just a pair that just kind of like they feed off each other a little yeah. bit. Yeah, and God, we're we're just collecting. I like Lekkinen and, uh, <laughs> and Deno. You know, yeah, very introverted, very quiet. And Deno is like really eccentric. Yeah, and, yeah. we are just collecting absolutely every single one of these Winnipeg Jets between Sherratt and Perot and Armia. Well, we're collecting what worked a few exactly. years ago. Exactly, we always take a little bit of everyone else's yeah. team. Uh, but yeah, so Armia, and I don't think anyone's complaining about that contract. Uh, it, it's maybe two hundred thousand dollars higher than I'd want. Yeah. But, but not, not bad. But it's at all. it's again, it's really not that bad. Jumping up here. Um, we're get we're getting uh, a this right D. This was the big signing. This was a big signing. Um, you know, a little bit underwhelming if you were expecting a Dougie Hamilton contract coming in, but uh, David Denny Savard, <laughs> as we're gonna now call him, 
Um, you know, right D, really, you know, defensive player. He's 30 years old. We signed him for four years at 3.5 mil. Um, last season, you know, you're not expecting stats from this guy. 54 games played, one goal, five assists. So very little offensive upside. But, you know, I th that's not what we're bringing him in for. I think we saw what worked during the, during the playoff run where, you know, we weren't I would have liked to get more points from the defense, but what was really working was our defensive lockdown and running those big four guys. And uh, you know, David Savard's going to bring a lot to that. He he is thick with a capital yeah. T H. Uh, that that guy he's listed. I've seen him listed on certain sites as high as two hundred and forty pounds. Yeah. But most places has him listed at six two and two hundred and thirty pounds. Him and which, are which nasty. I was going to say that's going to be like. You know, with with Weber on LTIR, in terms of this, just the the meanness, that is the only guy who basically I think would fit the mold well. Um, he punished players we, when yeah. we played against him. He was a motherfucker when we played Tampa. Yeah. Like I, I wanted to <laughs> kill that guy. And and again, I I'm, I'm I keep bringing up, but that's, he laid out Cock and Yemi at least five times. Well, that, exactly. And and D, between Dia, Paquette, Perrault, uh, he he's our fourth French Canadian signing. He's our fourth hometown guy who's compensating he, for something. Here. Exactly, and he but he also wanted to come home. Yeah, like he said it himself that he took a pay cut to come here. You know, three point five million. I think a lot of people are familiar with that number now because it's what Sherratt got, it's what Edmondson got, and you know, going off of I, I mean, it doesn't mean anything, but. Uh, looking at those two guys, those were great signings. Yeah. So I think that'll really round out the top four. Like you said, I think we're going to essentially have a uh, a line 1A, 1B for defensemen. Yeah. You know, it's going to be Petrie and Edmondson, and I think Sherratt and Savard. Too. I, I do like where we're going with this because I, I, I'm liking this model of basically, um, you know, let's not pay any big defensemen. Mm -hmm. Let's get really solid D guys and then use our money on our forwards. And I, I think that's a great strategy gr given what we did in the, in, in the playoffs where, you know, we found success by not relying on defensive points. Again, I would have liked a little bit more with the players we had. But again, we, we managed to produce offensively, not enough in the end, but enough to make it to the Stanley Cup final. And those big 4D who just locked it down, I think that's the model we got to go for. I, I agree, and I think he he fits that model very well. And I think he'll he's also, better defensively than Weber. Well, that that's is he. I was gonna say is that he's you know he's thirty years old. He's he's surprisingly mobile when you watch him play. I like Sherrod. Exactly, it's and it's he really just is a spitting image of Ben Sherrod in terms of the right hand. He's a mirror image. Yeah. is what I meant to say. But um, yeah, I I mean I, that's another one of those signings that we kind of knew way ahead of time, but. Um, you know, well, we were talking about it when we were playing Tampa. That's it. To say, and then, but then the, the second the season ended, the rumors had already started because everyone knew Tampa had to tear it down after yeah. just you know by cap compliance rules. And uh, the minute they said Weber was even considering retirement, Savard basically just got added to everyone's cap friendly pages. <laughs> so um, moving on, we've got our last just uh, you know floating in the air, doesn't know where he's going. UFA, which is probably the most surprising to me, um, Thomas Tatar. So we have him projected at three years at 5.2 million. So, you know, he can go all the way up to 5.7 or as low as 4.7. Um, 50 games played, 10 goals, 20 assists, 30 yeah. points in 50 games. So it's 50 points on an 82 game year. So again, not a bad season by any, you know, by at least by his standards. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, like we said, he he's... 
but you're also dealing with a, a really a lull from Deno and Gallagher, and you know that yeah. that 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 affects it sucks the, the offense out when yeah. he's the guy who drives the offense on that play, but. When Deno can't score a goal, when Gallagher's injured, and then Gallagher also couldn't score a goal for a little while because he was, you know, trying not to get re-injured, and then, you know, he's got his own struggles in terms of the playoffs just for some odd reason. I think he ends up getting every year a shorter leash in the playoffs because of his history, so the second Mm -hmm. he's not performing, he's just taken out, which then doesn't let him get points in the playoffs. But either way, I think there was almost a... I don't want to say a full guarantee, but there was almost a a you know seventy five percent chance going into this season that we knew it was his last yeah. year, just, just based off of chart. our depth chart. Exactly. I think maybe when Druin went out, that we kind of perked up again and said, yeah. "Oh, maybe he could stay." But That's why I I would have I would have honestly preferred to keep Tatar over Druin, but I think Druin just carries a bit more trade value. Yeah. Um. You know, yeah, I, I'm yeah. saying like if the roles were reversed, like Druin's obviously not a UFA, so like it's it's a different situation. I, I understand. If if I could flip them, I would. It's just um. You know, I I don't know if I if that would be a smart team decision because I think in the end, um, Druin being younger has more trade value. Yeah, and and again, Tatar, we he we acquired him as as basically an afterthought in the Patretti deal. He was someone to fill. Yeah. The, the we space an we yeah. needed a, we needed a roster spot he ended up being our point leader yeah. so I think you know two years yeah and you know he's he was, he's yeah, probably, fan uh, favorite I think he was like fifth this year yeah no he was he, he was still I mean for those who heard our first round of player report cards he was still a top five player on the team yeah. by you know offensively and if defensively we, if we do bring him back I won't be upset especially no, if he plays with Gallagher that's again. it and like, and what people also don't seem to really realize about him is he's a very very strong two hundred foot player. And, so, you know, like Gallagher said it in, in you know, when he recent interview when they were talking to, to Galley about, like, basically the changed Montreal Canadiens and, and how that how he's going to deal with that as, like, a leader on the team. And, you know, he brought up, you know, Tuna, and he said, basically, I think people don't realize how big of a leader Thomas Tatar is in the locker room and how that's going to affect the leadership dynamic if he doesn't come back. I, I think people discount that part of his game a lot is like this guy like loves hockey and like yeah. well he I, plays in the off season like ball hockey yeah, like just to keep play never stops. he just he likes to play hockey yeah which when there's a lockout surprised. he goes to europe you know, well that's it i'm surprised he doesn't have a contract yet because most teams can benefit from that guy on their maybe not their top line anymore but you know second line for sure tatar was fourth in points this there year. you go and so Let's just just to give him his credit, because I think he's earned it. Like, if anyone has, where do you think he ends up? If not Montreal, give me like your top three teams. You know, about a week ago, I was gonna say Colorado. Um, you know, their their cap dynamic is a little you know, tricky now with Landis Cog and everything. But if he can play, if they can get him to play with Nazem Kadri, that'd be incredible. Um, Edmonton Oilers, I think they could use a top six guy like him. Uh, especially with the talent they have, like if he plays with like a McDavid or a or Dreisaitl, like you know, seventy points, <laughs> it won't be too, uh, you know, won't, won't be imaginary at that point. But um, yeah, I'll let you say a few. What do you think? So Calgary, I, maybe. Yeah. So I, I have a few weird ones. One, um, hear me out on this one. Detroit. Yeah. I think Detroit brings him back. You know, He's got connections there. They he has that you know, exactly his kind of like his prestige there a little bit, um, and they're looking for forwards that can score right now. They really short up their defense. Like when you look at their defensive depth chart, they they look good. Their goaltending is now fine, and they just need players to put the puck in the net. Um, 
Secondly, uh, Columbus. I okay. think Nyquist. he and Nyquist has chemistry, and they're just looking for guys to come play. Remember there. a few a year or two ago, we were looking at Nyquist. Well, and that's it. Every night. I mean, and then my third one, and this is I, I basically just go to this every single time. But Dallas, everyone just seems to go to Dallas yeah. at one point. Especially yeah, especially like and like mid to end career. Like, yeah. You know, they, they take the Joe Pavelskis, they take the Corey Perrys, and yeah. And I he I could see him on their second line basically. Imagine. Uh, you know, it's a little bit of an older line, but imagine Tatar playing with Radulov and Pavelski. Yeah. It would even, be... Even with... Uh, or Gurianov um, and yeah. feeding that kid. Even with Rupe. Yeah. <laughs> Rupe, uh, Rupe Hintz. Yeah. I almost said Rupe, Rupe Fiasco. It's Rupe yeah. It's I not Rupert. <laughs> no, we call him Rupert all the time. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm so it's used Rupe to it. It's, or something. Rupe yeah, it's Hintz. a weird Finnish name. Yeah. It's R-O-O-P. God, he's, he's surprised the world, I think. Yeah, he's underrated and he's huge. He's yeah. just a big power forward they didn't expect. But, um, yeah, moving on to the son of a bitch at the top of the list. Uh, it's Mr. Pizza Pizza himself, yeah. Philly Cheesesteak Deno. I'm just going to say, the reason why I said Corey Perry stung the most is just because I'm more angry with Philip Deno than I am sad about losing him. Yeah. Uh, I think this was... You know, I, I understand, like, being empathetic, as a, like, trying to be empathetic as a human being. Like, I'm trying to look at it from his perspective. And, mm-hmm. like, you know, maybe it is nice to get out of the Montreal Canadiens spotlight as a French Quebecer who, like, you know, I think a lot of people stereotype the French Quebecers and, and just assume that they want to live in Montreal for their life. That's true. <laughs> Which, like, you know, if you know any English Montreal or, like, you know, like, you know, just like everywhere else in the world, some want to leave, some want to stay. I think that's, you know, true with with French Quebecers too, and maybe a little bit more because uh, of the language thing, but you know, he speaks perfect English, so, you know, assuming that he doesn't want to, assuming that he'll take a pay cut just to stay at home is kind of silly, but, you know, I, I thought I'd have a little bit more loyalty. Yeah, and I, I'm just going to, I'm going to start at the end and work backwards. I don't think he should have taken a pay cut to stay at home. I think he should have taken a pay cut because he's not worth the money he signed. Yeah. And I am so... Would you, first off, let's just say, okay... 28 years old, he signed six years, 5.5 mil. Would you give him that contract in Montreal? No, no. And I was going to say, go back throughout the podcast, throughout the season. I was docking this man's pay, game in and game out. Uh, <laughs> what he, would you have signed him for? Realistically, high end, high end, five and a quarter. Uh, low end. Six, same term? Yeah, I, I don't mind six years. Okay. High end, five and a quarter. Low end, um, four. Where I'd. I think the money that he deserves is four point five. Yeah, that's exactly where I. I see think it. also maybe my 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 uh, sadness with seeing him go is kind of tempered by like, you know, like probably about a week before he signed with LA, we were hearing rumors that Vegas offered him six two five, and I was yeah. like, there is no way I'm paying that money for Philip no. Deno. Good riddance. See you later. Let's let so. let's just yeah, let's just look at this more like uh you know without any emotion in this at all. This is a guy who now. Um, is making, like you said, $5.5 million. He had five goals in 53 games playing on the first line of a team, playing with guys like Brendan Gallagher and Thomas Tatar. Um, he's not putting up yeah. any offense. The only thing I'll say there is, like, with a guy like him who's who's so unique as a player, you have to look at how much he takes away. I, I agree, and that's I, I was getting to I was saying, just first and foremost, his offense. That's yeah. not there. However... He does suck the life out of the other team. Mm-hmm. The the thing is, I think that the best way I can like, the best way I would put Philip Deneau is that when he's on the ice, there is no goals at all. At all. <laughs> so it's it's a good and a bad thing. However, 
that's good when he's not making a massive chunk of yeah. your cap. I'll add on to that too. It's also good if that's not your 1C. Exactly. Yeah. That was my next point. I don't understand him going to LA. I don't get it's it. It's a worse situation there than it is it's, here for him. I, that's the thing. He was very open about saying he doesn't know about his status on the team due to the fact of the emergence of Kotkaniemi and Suzuki. He now went to a team where he's currently not the best center for sure because mm-hmm. Kopitar's on the team, but the future has Velarde, it has Byfield, it has Turcotte. Turcotte and Byfield are both top five picks. Velarde's a first-round pick, and Kopitar is Kopitar. He's going yeah. to the Hall of Fame. Probably. He'll never, ever be more than a second-line centerman on this team, and he will very quickly, definitely before that, com- that contract ends, he could be the fourth. Yeah. And they won't get to that. They're not going to pay. They can't. I will say this on the record now: that contract's getting bought out. Oh yeah, I I can see that. I can see that him also not spending more than two years that contract in LA. Um, I can see. Does he have a no movement clause? I'm going to check. I I don't think he does. Not with that kind of contract. I think like you know when when teams you know are arguing with both with, with, with Deno's party there I think you know when you go up to a term like that with that amount of money for a guy who had a rough year I think that's something that the LA Kings can kind of he has uh, the, the first three years is a total no movement clause yeah and the last three years he has a modified where he can pick 10 teams he's not Oof. allowed to be traded to so that's rough that's that's brutal. I understand the first three like I, that's why I said like I guess expect the first two or three he's not gonna get moved because you know a lot of guys who signed six years they want to set roots down so yeah. they do get an, an, an NMC but um, I'm surprised that after the three you can even get 10. Yeah normally what you'd think is they would have the 10 in the first three though being like yeah, I know. once you hit this threshold we just can't move yeah. you because then it's almost like the if you want to set down roots yeah. then it's like okay I just have to make it to my fourth year. Yeah but anyway that's not something again, I would be willing to No, and, and honestly it's just it was hard to see just because like I don't know if we offered him something similar. I, I really don't. I hope not, to be honest, because, again, guys like Philip Deno, there's a reason he's always 4th, 5th, 6th in Selkie voting. It's because his defense, he plays equally defensively to a Patrice Bergeron, to a uh, Barkov, to an O'Reilly. The thing is, they all put up 90 points, yeah. and they do that. So if he can find his offense, he'll win a Selkie. He, he would have won it this year. If he put up, let's say, you know, uh, 40 points in 53 games. But he just, he it's not his game. And that's what he made this whole year about was like, I can score, I can score, I can score. And then he puts up five goals. Yeah. And so, I mean, look, I'll, I'll say to you, he had 19 assists. Um, you know, what, is, what does that put him at? Five goals and 19 assists is 24 points mm-hmm. in 53 games, right? That's... That's a 37-point season. Yeah. Your first-line centerman is not a 37-point face-off guy. Yeah. It's just not. That's, that be. sounds like a third-liner. Yeah. If I just told you, yeah, this this forward wins a lot of face-offs, he can kill penalties, and he'll get you about 40 points a yeah. year, that's a bottom six well, guy. I, I think at the end of the day, like, you know, with what Dano was saying, in, you know, when we offered him the contract early on this year, and he declined it in, in a kind of like a prove-it kind of statement, I don't think it had anything to do with Kotkaniemi and Suzuki. I think it was just a money thing because, you know, if he's going to a team like this where he's very quickly going to be the third or fourth guy, like, it's clearly not that. And realistically, if he came back this year, there is no way Kotkaniemi would take his position. No chance. I agree. Kotkaniemi would not put Deno into the third seat. No, I I agree. Now, I'm just thinking about it now. 
if you're LA, do you maybe try and go get Thomas Tatar? I, you know, I they don't have wingers. I haven't looked at their cap situation, but I'll, I'll take a look. Um, you know, that's definitely a possibility. I mean, they have tons of chemistry, and um, you know, Tatar brings a lot to the table. I just, I, you know, yeah, bring up their cap situation, but right now they have about apparently two point seven in cap space. The only thing is, I don't know how many guys. Uh, well, they just brought on Arvidsson. You know, a second line of Arvidsson, Dano, and uh, Tatar just sounds like the Gallagher line. Yeah. Um, probably not going to be the case. I don't know if they have any uh, IR to put on or anything because teams haven't made those moves yet. But uh, if they can get, you know, even Tatar, if they can get him to agree to I mean, like maybe like a one-year 2.5 mil deal just to like prove a deal in L.A. as well. You know, you, you get these guys who will show up together. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, I'm even going to caveat that. Like, it's not a money thing because he's going to be making less in L.A. than he is going to be here. Well, that's it. L.A. Yeah. is brutally expensive. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what the hell is this guy's thinking, to be honest with you. I uh, think like, really, this is one of those this, I don't get it. This, this is going to be, I think, more of my, like, objective opinion. Like, I don't know if, like, he's 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 got a lot of that, like, hippie culture in him. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you, like, checked out his Instagram yeah, and stuff yeah. like that, but he's, like, kind of got that, like, plateau... <laughs> sort of thing going on and I think the you know the epicenter of that in the world is LA and I mm. think that you know the lifestyle there was probably a huge factor um along with what probably was the term I, I I'm sure Bergevin was fine matching 5.5 I think just you know in Bergevin fashion I think it's just um you know it, it always comes down to term for him which you know at 28 I I kind of get that's um I'm, I'm tr I was trying to think like maybe his his wife was from sorry she's from here too yeah. um I know they just had a kid and again it goes back to they just made more expenses for themselves yeah. I again at the same time like I mean all Joe's you know it's five point five million dollars he yeah. he's not exactly like uh you know like, checking the couch for change yeah. but the idea is like yeah it, it, it's a weird choice and what I what this leads me to believe is it came down to no one else offered him a contract at that point because. There's no reason that for him not to go to, let's say, like a Vegas if they were actually offering him that. I mean, that, that just proves that it's... I would go to Vegas if I'm Philip Dunno before I... At more money than I would go to L.A. Yeah, I wouldn't want to go to L.A. So, well, yeah, and, and I, it just even aside, I'm saying just from like a hockey point of view, yeah. he would have for sure been the second-line center from the... Uh, money point of view it's more money and yeah, where it is team. in the country yeah a team that's going to be better quicker exactly and the ray to win right now even. yeah um yeah i i and imagine that penalty kills yeah. stone playing with deno you'd yeah. never you'd never touch the puck no. but yeah honestly overall that 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 wraps up the the names i just want to go very briefly here so we basically calculated out the uh net games played goals and assists for guys coming in and out so the way we did this is um, obviously, the players who left are a negative. The players who came in are a positive. However, guys like Kotkaniemi, who are expected to re-sign with the team, and guys like Armia and Lekkonen, who did re-sign, don't get counted into the formula, as well as guys like Tatar get counted as a negative. So we're not anticipating that unrestricted free agents return. Um, we lost about 80 games of NHL experience after free agency as a whole. So... Um, you know, a lot of guys who we signed don't have much NHL experience last year. You know, Chris Weidman has NHL experience, but he didn't play. Um, we actually net gained one goal. And while that sounds like insignificant, we had more players leave than we had coming in. So we're, we're addressing the goal scoring issue, which was obviously a big thing during the playoffs as a whole. 
and we lost about 37 assists. So, you know, again, that just comes down to when more players leave, they get more assists than yeah. goals typically. Um, there's two, there's two assists per goal. Exactly. Right, so. so, it's not crazy to me to see that the numbers are negative. However, especially with the games played being, uh, you know, in the negatives, but. Um, I think it just makes that goals scoring the like even more significant that yeah, we actually netted a positive. Um, I just want to look now. We have we have a list of all the guys who made over a million right now. Deno, we said his role in the team: faceoffs, penalty killing, five on five defense, or his strength. Tatar, five on five offense, not really a power play guy. Uh, Savard, five on five defense and the penalty kill, like we said. Hoffman, uh, that was the big signing, actually, probably more than Savard. Now that I think about it, he brings goals, power play time, and 5-on-5 offense. Gustafson out on the power play. Perry out, power play, and a leadership factor. And Stahl, a leadership factor. I think we replaced all of that yeah. at some point. You know, like Deno coming out, I, it's not the same quality, but Paquette is, yeah. is replacing that. Tatar going out, uh, Hoffman makes up for that. Savard comes in for Weber, who's yeah. quote-unquote out. Um, Gustafson, we got Weidman, Perry and Stahl leave, and we bring in Perro. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's... We addressed a lot of the issues. I don't want to say I, it's like a net neutral. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, I, I'd i be really, really, really surprised if the Montreal Canadiens were done, even with big moves. Like, I, I you know, I, I think it's pretty obvious that we're going to make some small trades and stuff like that, yeah. but I think we're going to see a few big trades and, you know, maybe revolving around Jonathan Druin. Um, so I think we all have to stay tuned and, and yeah. really just uh, keep do you, our eyes Do you out. think we go up to Jack Eichel, yes or no? Because we just you know, we touched on it before. I... I Realistically, I, I don't think we are. I, I think yeah. that the price tag is, is high for Bergevin. For, for me, it's not. I, I'd be willing to make that move. Mm. Um, with his current injury status, with you know the herniated disc in his neck, um, that brings a you know a bunch of consequences down the road from like a medical point of view. Um, and you know that that's just a it's a lot of money. And like I, I think going into the next few years with Suzuki, Kotkaniemi, Caulfield, Romanov, I think. Uh, Bergevin's going to want to like err on the side of caution here. How about you? Which is fair. I, I'm torn because I, for me, it starts with if that deal gets done, what does it look like? And I think that the general understanding, um, you know, basically filling in like a Mad Lib style of like our players versus the rumors we hear, it, it, what it comes down to is it would essentially cost Druin, Kotkaniemi, um, Take your pick at our defensive prospects, whether it be Romanov, Gouli, Norlander, uh, Harris, Struble, one of them. Uh, Primo, a first, and either another first or a second. Yeah. Which would solve the contract issue that I just mentioned. That's what I'm. That that that's what I'm getting at. Is just like it kind of. I like at that point, then I wouldn't care because mm -hmm. you basically just have to sign Caulfield and actually clears everything up. So, exactly, and like as those old contracts come out, the other ones come in, and like. I don't know. To me, I would make the deal, and I, I would talk to basically Buffalo and specifically Jack Eichel's agent. I know this whole issue with the medical kind of, not fiasco is going on, but just kind of like the mishandling of Jack Eichel's, uh, you know, spinal surgery. What, what I would basically have with that is, like, I'd kind of put the pressure on saying, like, yeah, you can get the surgery. If you, like well, you said, you can play, you can get it, and put the pressure 
on Buffalo to make the deal fast because maybe that's how you keep one extra pick yeah. before making the deal. At the end of the day, it's his decision, what, like what he yeah. does medically. I mean, like it's not up to the team to pursue. Well, that, that's the issue that they're having is that uh, the team is not allowing him to have that surgery. It's mm-hmm. under his contract that he has to get it approved by the owner. Yeah, I think there's some there's something there might be some continuity, but that's yeah, I mean, that's, that's what that's I understand like, from his agents when they said like they are continuously not allowing it yeah, because you can't you can't prevent someone from getting life saving surgery, but like well that's it. I don't know if it's I guess maybe that's their argument. I that think it's, it's I think it's, I think it's the payment for the surgery, and I think it has to do with um, uh, getting paid under contract if you get the surgery. Right. Okay. So, like, well, they can't prevent that. him from getting surgery, but they cannot pay him if he gets the surgery. Okay. Well, if that's the case, either I'm saying what it comes down to is they're saying no, mm. and he's saying you know he wants to get surgery. Yeah. So I mean, I again, it's he just wants out of Buffalo too. Yeah. I, get I was that. even reading into it more, but the the neurosurgeon for the team even said he should get the surgery. Yeah. And it was actually management only that yeah. suggested that they didn't. So like at, at first there was rumors that the doctor. There was conflicting reports from the doctor on the team versus the doctors that he saw outside of outside of Buffalo. Um, but then it came out that the team doctor even suggested, well, a team specialist suggested that he get the surgery to replace the herniated disc in his neck. Uh, but it was uh, a contractual liability for the Buffalo Sabres, which is okay. even worse to think about because it's yeah, like because it turns them into a product. Yeah, and it's Honestly. like you're, you're going against the advice of medical experts. Yeah. And yeah that's but yeah, just, uh, uh, so so I think just like answering the, the main question of it is that, yeah, I would I would still try and go after Jack Eichel, especially we know that that is somewhat the idea of what the price is. Yeah. Because again, you're saying, like, you know, I agree with you, it's a lot of money, mm-hmm. but it's Jack Eichel. Yeah. So, so that's 100 points. At, so. at 10 million, that's the player you want. Yeah. So. You know, we'll see. I don't want to see minor trades from the Canadians. I really don't need us to basically move Druin for a Druin, you know? Yeah, or like a bunch of pieces. Or like, exactly. And like, I'll I'll just say it here because we've talked about it before. I'm I'm sure we'll do a deep dive when those trades do come through. But when you trade a superstar, you don't ask for a superstar back. That's a new, that's a lateral move. What you're doing is in a Jack Eichel trade, you're filling gaps. And like, you're just getting improved gap filling. So... Kotkaniemi will turn into a 1-2 center for you, but he's not as good as Jack Eichel. Druin can play top two lines, but he's not as good as Jack Eichel. That defenseman will probably never be better than Darlene, but all of a sudden you don't have to worry about left defense. You now have goalie depth in uh, Yuka Pekalukkanen and Primo in terms of potential. That pick will be whatever it is. And it's like, that's kind of how trades need to happen at that point. A lot of people I'm seeing for Jack Eichel trades, they're like, it starts with Suzuki and Caulfield. I'm like, but then no. we're just trading places. Yeah. I'm not going to trade you the things that are working for me for the things yeah. that aren't working for you. So, um, yeah, the, anyway, we got a little off topic there. But uh, free agency, um, basically, close. thumbs up, thumbs down. Yeah, I, I think it's a thumbs up. I mean, I you know I, I think we go into the – I think you and I both kind of go into these off-seasons with, UF, with uh, free agency with a bit of unrealistic expectations. I mean, not every off-season we're going to see a Dougie Hamilton. I saw like a – like a vacuum open up with the Weber situation. And I thought it would be a great time to sign a guy like that. You know, hindsight, the money he got, I don't think I'd want to pay him that much. He's a little too If high. it was just a tad south of 8 mil, like Weber's contract, I would have totally done it. Yeah, 100%. under 8 mil for sure. I would have gone up to 8.25, but 9, I mean, I know 9, there was a kind of like a New Jersey price 
yeah. to it. But I think he was aiming for an eight point five, which even then that's a little they high. Two nine million dollar defenseman. Yeah. And what you know, and you know, Subban again, like he's one year left. But, but it's you know, still <laughs> as soon as that's done, I mean, like in a few years, they're going to be looking at Luke Hughes, and then they got you know Jack Hughes, and, and they're then... they're going to be in the same issue that they had where yeah, they're like, like you know, we can't sign this guy because yeah. we have the nine million. And, and you know, Luke Hughes, like yeah, you know, maybe his ceiling won't be a nine mil defenseman, but he'll be a six. Yeah, and yeah. he might be a nine. And he might be a nine. Some guys come into the league and blow up their projections. My my favorite one of all time was David Pasternak being considered a middle six winger. Yeah. And then yeah, and then uh, Jack Hughes, for example, it's like financially they might want to bridge this guy, uh, but then financially after that bridge that might bite them in the ass yeah. when they need to pay him a ton of money instead of locking him down. So. No, they're in a very precarious situation. I, I'm just glad we're not in that. I, I'd rather just have yeah. cheap, solid defense. Yeah, which is, I think, the the model we're going after. Kind of emulating Boston a little of, like, yeah. fine, you don't want to take that money, go somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, anyway, with this, uh, we'll call it here. We will catch you guys on the next one, which will probably be another report cards in a couple of days. Thank you for listening to the Habs Puck Drop podcast. You can email us your thoughts, questions, and suggestions through our email at habspuckdrop at gmail.com or direct message us on Instagram at habspuckdrop. We'll see you next time.